Yes. So this morning, uh, we are beginning a series on parenting. It's entitled, How to Raise an Honest Thief. And I told you, it'd probably be unlike any uh, series you've heard on parenting. And so I probably need to start with a little bit of an explanation so that you don't run to the doors. Um, I had some sort of really high and lofty idea of what we're going to call this sermon series. And I was working through it last October. And we were having our uh, fall festival, our trunk or treat. And I was telling somebody about the series we're going to do on parenting and having this conversation. And uh, in the midst of having that conversation, uh, my youngest child, Willow, um, uh, runs up and explains something to uh, one of our church members. And she says, I did not steal this candy. And uh, for those of you who are wondering, it's Tanya Blanca who she was talking to. And uh, Tanya says, why, Willa, why would you think that I would think that you stole the candy? And Willa said, oh, because I've been stealing candy all night long. <laughs> so as I'm having this conversation and Tanya is telling me about what happened and Pam's sitting there and I was like, oh, I've got a title for you. Um, I think Pam mentioned, you, you ought to name that sermon, How to Raise an Honest Thief. I was like, yeah, that's probably a little bit more in keeping with where I'm at in terms of my parenting performance. And those of you that have parented or been a child know how easy it is for a child to lay bare, expose, dare I say, embarrass their parents. Uh, now, one of my favorite things about pastoring Copperfield is that you kind of knew what you were getting into when you hired me because I told you. Uh, and if you didn't, uh, after the first quote-unquote business meeting where I bawled my eyes out uh, when we were supposed to be talking about the budget, but it was because we were having all kinds of trouble at home with our kids, uh, you didn't fire me. So I felt like, okay, we're in safe company. Um, but one of the things that is so aware is just how one comment or one action or behavior from our kids can just expose how we don't have it together like we think that we do. And I feel like many parents have been there, are there, or will eventually be there. And instead of doing a how to raise kids series, I want us to look to the grace and the resource of God's mercy in Christ for us in our parenting. So this is not so much a how to parent Monday to Friday, it's how to hold on to Christ and how to find resource and help from him. And so obviously, it's not just for parents. It's for any one of us that have ever been aware of our weakness and our need this morning. And so if you're there, you've been there, or you will be there at some point, if you've ever found yourself being weak, I have good news for you. We're going to be looking at 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 9 through 10. 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 9 through 10. I'm going to invite you to stand with me as we read God's Word together. 2 Corinthians chapter 12 verses 9 through 10. This is God's word to us this morning. But he said to me, 
My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weakness, so that Christ's power may rest on me. That is why, for Christ's sake, I delight in weakness, in insults, in hardships, in persecutions, in difficulties. For when I am weak, then I am strong. You may be seated as we go to the Lord and ask his blessing upon this time of study this morning. Father, we come to you, Lord, and and I ask that even right now you would begin to work in our hearts through your Holy Spirit, Lord, to expose our deep need for your power to rest on us. Father, be merciful. Fill those that are empty this morning with the joy and the hope of Christ. Humble those, Lord, who believe that they have it all together and that they have no need for you. Lord, and grant us to see your glory in the face of Jesus Christ as we reflect upon his sufficiency. We ask this in Jesus' matchless name. Amen. I don't know about you, but I kind of grew up hearing or reading books about parenting and marriage and the Christian life where there was always a priority given to stories of glory. What I mean by that is they tended to be stories about how great someone had done. I I have to admit, I, I see this oftentimes when I'm reading biographies. I'm reading a biography right now, and uh, I'm, I'm grateful for what God did in the lives of this individual where there was um, tremendous work that was done. But I have to admit, also, as I was reading the way that the parents interacted with the kids, I was like, wow, that is not exactly how things go down in my house. They talked about how they never had a meal without a Bible open. I was like, wow. Uh, we wouldn't eat a whole lot if that were the case. Um, unless Whataburger hands out Bibles whenever you're picking up a meal after baseball practice. It just, it just it didn't, it didn't deeply resonate with where we were at with five kids with the busyness of our, our world. And, and it really kind of made me feel like, oh, I'm just so insufficient. And I kept reading these stories of just very strident approaches to raising kids in the Lord. But what's interesting is, is they don't tend to write stories about all the parents that did that, yet whose kids kind of didn't end up the way that they thought they were going to end up. It's interesting how selective biographies are, and even our tendency and desire for those stories of glory. And Paul was not any different. If you look at the verses that precede verses 9 through 10, Paul exposes the fact that the Corinthian church wanted to hear the stories of glory. And Paul goes on to talk about how, I knew a man that was caught up into the heavens that had great visions. And really, he's talking about himself in third person. And he says, I could boast in these things. And really and truly, that's what the church at Corinth would like to hear. Isn't that the case with the conferences we go to? Like, How many times have you been to a parenting conference, a marriage conference, or a professional conference? And they go to introduce somebody. You're in a sales conference. They were like, hey, our next speaker hasn't hit his sales goals in two decades. And you're like, I'm going to go get some coffee. 
Like that, n- nobody wants to hear that person. But I think that we allow that sometimes to enter into our view of what it means to be a Christian and think that faithful Christian life is only for the heroes, the ones that have the grand glory stories. And Paul says, hey, look, I could tell you a story that would blow your socks off. But God desires to keep me humble. Therefore, he gave me a thorn in my flesh. And I begged him three times for it to be taken away. And he refused to do so. That I might boast in my weakness and not my glory. The call of faithfulness to Christ is not one of all of our glory, but in fact, our desperate, desperate need for his grace and his power to rest on us. Everyone wants the glory stories, but the reality is that good parenting or good faithful Christian life is not about glory or strength, but it's actually about weakness. It's actually about weakness. And we simply don't hear this type of thing. Who in here, just to show hands, and don't be embarrassed if you're not familiar with it, I'm just out of curiosity, who in here has ever watched a football game and seen on a, uh, on a poster or on the eye black of a football player, Philippians 4.13? Anybody know Philippians 4.13? I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength, who strengthens me. It's like, yes, all right. You know the context of that verse? Being in prison. See how quickly we take a verse and we say, oh yeah, I could do all things. I can be a professional baseball player or football player. I can, I can do it. This verse says that I can do it. Yes, glory, give it to me, all right. That verse is Paul saying, I figured it out. Whether I am lifted up, exalted, or abased, like I am in prison right now, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. How is that the case? Because it's not about whether I'm up or I'm down. It's about Christ who has taken hold of me. Oh, but that means that I may have hard times in my life, preacher. Yes, Jesus promised you, if you will follow me in this world, you will have hardship. You will have difficulties, but take heart. Be encouraged. I have overcome the world. There's no glory before there is a cross. Or to state it more succinctly, we all want the crown. No one wants to follow Jesus with the cross. And so one of the things that we need to do in our parenting, in our relationships, in our professional careers is to recognize that weakness truly is the way. And you will not hear that outside of Christian scriptures. You will not be told that actually the path to exaltation before the Lord is to be bent low in dependence upon Him. So everyone has their bestseller parenting book, and everyone says, I have the rule and I have the equation, A plus B will always equal C until it doesn't. And then you are full of weakness and you recognize, wow, what did I do wrong. And what I want you to see this morning is that sense of weakness, that sense of dependence upon God's grace is a great place to be. If I were going to encourage you 
with something, I want you to feel weak when you leave. Wow. Nice to meet you, first-time guest. I want you to feel weak. Why? Because the promise of God's Word is that Christ's power rests on the weak. And what did we see a few weeks ago? What does God do to the proud? He opposes the proud. When we are proud and we are so self-sufficient and we think we've got it all together, it's a declaration of war against God. But when we recognize I am weak, I am needy, I can't do what I'm fixing to have to do, whether it be in my marriage or whether it be with my kids, whether it be with my job, when you, when you, when you feel like I don't have what it takes to show up and do the hard work tomorrow, I'm empty. And when the question that rings in your life is, I don't know what I'm going to do, it's a great place to be because of Christ's promise for his power to rest on us. For in our weakness, his strength and greatness is magnified. If we desire the power of Christ to rest on us, we will acknowledge and embrace our weakness, our need for God's powerful grace and mercy to be at work within us. Let's read and look at verses 9 through 10 one more time. But he said to me, that's Christ speaking to Paul, my grace is sufficient for you. For my power is made perfect. It's brought to completeness. It's fullness in weakness. So what does Paul say? Lord, I don't want that. I want to be strong. No. Paul says, therefore, if what it means to have the power of Christ rest on me is for me to be weak, then I will boast all the more gladly about my weakness so that Christ's power may be on me. Listen to how countercultural this is in Paul's day and our day. That is why, for Christ's sake, I delight in weakness, in insults, in hardship, in persecutions, in difficulties. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Now, just to be clear, I'm not suggesting that your kids and grandkids are hardships, insults, persecutions, and difficulties. Although, sometimes the shoe fits. Okay? What I'm suggesting is that with this variety of ways that our weakness gets exposed, Christ's grace is sufficient. What does it mean to say that his grace is sufficient? It means that his grace is not dependent upon our perception or our own strength. Isn't that good? I mean, just think about it for a moment. Summer's coming. We're going to be going to the pools. I think we've got some activities where some people are going to be going around. They're going to be going to some uh, water parks, like Schlitterbahn, things like that. Like what kind of lifeguard do you want? You know, the lifeguard, they get on the, they get on the side, and they've, they've, they've got their 
flotation device. I don't know what they call those things. What, do you want the lifeguard that's looking at you in the pool going, you're going to have to help me. I'm not jumping in for you. You don't look like you're going to contribute anything. You need to help me. Nobody wants that lifeguard, right? That lifeguard loses his job or her job. You don't want a, someone that's coming to save you to be dependent upon your contribution. And so when God's grace is said to be sufficient, it doesn't come and look at us and go, mm, you're going to you're have to help me out a little bit. You're going to have to breathe a little bit on your own. You're going to have to have a little bit of energy. He looks at our weakness in our difficulty, in our insults, in our persecution, and there's something about our weakness that, that draws his eye to us. And he, and he saves us, and he's an ever-present help in trouble and in time of need. And when he pulls us to safety in those moments, and the crowd around us, who's, are they okay, is looking in on at us, looking at us, who do they cheer for? I mean, that's a pretty obvious, they don't cheer for you. They cheer for the lifeguard. See the, see the difference? They cheer for the one whose power was demonstrated, whose ability was demonstrated in the context of your weakness. You get the benefit and the glory and the gift of salvation, and he gets the praise that is due his name. So parents, I ask, is it okay with you if God gets the glory of his grace and power in your parenting if the only thing that you contribute on certain days is just weakness and emptiness? Amen, yes. I want the power of Christ to rest on me, and I want the power of Christ to rest on you. Now, does that then mean that we take every step forward with an apathy and no effort? No. It means that we're walking in grace. We're walking in mercy. That means that when you are parenting and your child embarrasses you in front of all your church members, you remember that you don't stand right before God because your kids are well-behaved. You don't stand righteous before God because your kids get all the answers correctly in Sunday school. You stand righteous before God because of the grace of God in Christ. And the same is true for your kids. Your kids, this is such good news, your kids don't fall in and out of favor with God based on how well they do with you on a Monday after they've stayed up late the night before. Your kids do not get into heaven because they aced their star test. Amen? It is only because of the grace and mercy of Jesus Christ that any of us stand before him accepted. How is your marriage going to make it? Because you're so strong? No. But because the God who holds you is strong. 
How are you going to work hard under a tyrannical boss? By working as unto the Lord with the grace and the mercy that he provides, not because that individual gives you the praise that you desire. Do you see what weakness does in the way it transforms the way that we think about how we belong to God, how our kids belong to God, what our marriages look like before God, what our work in the world looks like before God. Strength begins with a confession of, I'm weak. So what is one of the most practical ways that we could express that this morning? And we're fixing to close with some very simple application in this message. One of the most profound ways that we reflect our need and our weakness is through prayer. Prayer is telling God, asking God, saying, I, I, don't, I don't have it. I'm, I, I can't. I don't have the strength or the wisdom. And Lord, I'm asking for strength. I'm asking for wisdom. I'm dependent upon you. And so, in a few moments, as we close, we're going to do a few things. One, I'm going to encourage you to sing because we're going to sing about our need. And I want to encourage you to sing that as a prayer. Lord, I need you. Not just as lyrics on the screen, but as a prayer from your heart. But maybe this morning you are saying, I, I get it, I'm weak. And I'm so weak, I don't feel like I can utter that prayer. Or I have others in my life that are so weak that I don't even know how to begin to handle this. Maybe, maybe you had a Saturday like I did. I don't, like, I don't, I'm, I've got questions about whether or not to do this series. Like, truly, you do a series like on parenting, and it's like the whole week before, the Lord is like, I'm going to give you all kinds of illustrations. (laughs) Truly. So like at one point yesterday, we've got a little drama going on upstairs, and Barbie dolls without heads come flying down the stairs. And I'm folding matching socks, which is a blast, right? And I'm folding socks, and as this is happening, I just kind of opened my hands. I said, Lord, I have, I have, I have no meaningful control over this situation. Like, I, I, I don't know, Lord, would, would you just intervene? I feel so weak right now. And in his kindness, he brought resolution and peace before the next hour. That felt like, and the reason I'm worried is I'm like, God, I want to do like a sermon on how well-behaved my kids are and see if that leads to a bunch of illustrations the week before, but I don't know. You know, you do, you, do, you do a sermon series on like persevering through difficult trials and then you get a lot of difficult trials. So, you know, maybe we'll do a whole series on prosperity and ease in the future, okay? I'll figure something out. You know, if, if, if your experience is like mine, we'll talk. But I really, in one sense, I needed that because I so often operate in my own sense of strength and then I'm scared to confess my need to others and to God because I'm embarrassed that I don't have it together. And then verses like this remind me, 
God has known this all along. And he doesn't want you to bring your wholeness to him. He wants you to bring your brokenness to him. He doesn't expect you to bring a full cup. He expects it to be empty. He doesn't expect you to come and contribute your strength. He wants you to bring your weakness. And he will meet you right there every time because he's faithful. And so I would invite you to sing, Lord, I need you. And then we're going to have prayer leaders. Now, if you're a prayer leader, I I do have some special instructions for you. Prayer leaders, I'm going to ask that instead of lining up toward the front, you line up off to the sides. And here's the reason for that. We want those that are coming for prayer and those that are leading in prayer to be able to hear and interact in prayer together. And so if you would like that, our prayer leaders are going to be here to pray with you. Nothing against coming down to the front. We just want you to be able to be fully engaged and be heard and hear them praying for you as well. So prayer leaders, if you want to go ahead and make your way to your spots, which are now on the sides, and those of you that are saying, gosh, I would love for someone to pray for me as this has deeply resonated with my need or a need in my family, these leaders would love to pray with you. And there is no shame. There is no judgment. That is the enemy that's trying to keep you closed off from having someone minister and love on you. If I can be honest for you, you can be honest before others. Let's pursue the Lord in our weakness, confess it to Him, and come to Him asking Him to have mercy on us in our weakness. And then finally, if you're here this morning and you have lived your whole life in your own strength and you think that all the things that you do are the things that are going to save you, I want to encourage you to see that you cannot save yourself in your own strength. You need someone to save you. You need Christ to save you. He is a willing and ready Savior. You call upon His name. Ask him, Lord God, have mercy upon me, save me, and he will be faithful to do so. If that's your prayer this morning, right where you're at, I would ask you to call upon the name of the Lord. And then I would encourage you to find one of these prayer leaders that can help you take the next step of following Christ as a disciple and can help you pray. But let's bring our need to him. Let's bring our weakness to him and ask him to show forth his sufficient grace in our weakness and need. Lord God, be merciful to us. Lord, hear our need. Do not keep us back from confessing and coming to you. Lord, we look to you. By looking to you, Lord, we know we will not be overwhelmed because you give us strength. Lord, let us respond in faith. We ask this in the mighty and matchless name of Jesus. As you reflect on the message this week, feel free to reach out to our staff by emailing care at copperfieldchurch.com. We would love to hear from you and pray for you. Also, don't forget to subscribe to this podcast and our other podcast, Equip for Good. Thanks for listening.